You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. So hello and welcome back to another episode of Your Queer Story. We are the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism. And I'm Paul Hobbs. And I am Evan Jones. That was definitely the most concise we've ever Yvonne. been. We have never started an episode off like and got it all out of the way. No, never. We at least usually have some kind of segment in there, but by the first 15 minutes you get the introduction. They're like, wait, exactly. <laughs> what did I start listening to? Who are these people? Yep, that's what we like to do. Just throw you in the middle of chaos and confusion and see how you do. That's like how my brain operates, so... Yeah. If you think it's stressful, try living it. <laughs> try living in there. <laughs> so, um, not exactly sure when this episode is going to drop. It could be dropping the last week of Women's History Month, which would be great. Um, but it also could be dropping in April. And um, that's just because... Listen, the coronavirus has had us locked yeah. up. so It's messed everything up. We so. kind of had to sit down and get some shit together because Rhode Island is like in full chaos mode right now. Yep. Um, yep. Everything is shut down, and I've been working from home at this point for three weeks, and Evan potentially is working from home. I don't yeah. know. No, yeah. Uh, it's all. It's really hard to do my job when I, my job is interacting with the, like literally. I'm supposed to like go and be work with clients, but I can't go work with clients mm-hmm. because I can't meet with them. And and they were like, everybody just take your files home with you. But I've been working there for like four weeks at this point. So I just had one file and I just like <laughs> carried it home. I was like, all right, got it here. <laughs> yep. um, so yeah, hello from the past. That's right. Um, hello from the past. Yeah, because we recorded this in the past. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, so here we are. So um, I don't even know what to say. What did you do this week? <laughs> Wait, did we even do a what did you do we this week the last we time just, we did one? Our last episode was just us it ranting. Was too much. We're like, it's going to be a mini stone real quick. We're going to wrap it up. We just bitched for 45 minutes, basically. Sometimes you need to. Sometimes you, you know need what? a bitch fest. It feels great to I bitch. think that it should be a regular segment now. Paul and Evan bitch fest, and then we just go off on whatever current topic we want. Actually, that'd be great. Yeah. Because <laughs> I love to complain about shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, let's see. This isn't going to actually be what I did this week. It's going to be like a combination of things that I've been doing over the past few weeks because the past few weeks have been quarantine. It's all run together. Yeah. So I've basically been working from home. David's been working from home, um, which is nice because we can like we both can work on our laptops. So we just like lay on the couch with our cats, put mm-hmm. the heater on, put like some some show on if he's not taking phone calls and just work. Yeah. And it's nice. 
I've been reading, um, obviously, like always. Still going to the gym. So. <laughs> oh, you're definitely going to get corona. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, the gym is definitely thinned out. The gym is the most dangerous place to be. Everybody's just showing up. They're like, okay, wiping everything down, everybody's hand sanitizing like, between every rep. <laughs> looking at everybody. <laughs> just, But we're all there, and mm. I'm sure the employers are like, you motherfuckers, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a matter of time. I shouldn't be going, but I am. It's my way to get out of the house. Um, but that, and also my book is coming along and I'm actually happy because I felt like for so long I was writing in such disjointed ways and now it's coming together and like it's, it's in line and it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so that makes me feel better because for a while there I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to write this thing. It's just going to be 5,000 random Random um, tangents and thoughts. Of tan- exactly. That don't, that don't well, flow together. Well, I think together. the thing is you have so much content to write that like mm-hmm. you're not going to remember it in chronological order. You're just going to remember oh, yeah. it in spit, bits and bursts and write it down and then you're going to have to go back and organize it. So, yeah. I mean, it makes and that's, sense. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. Like I really wrote in like really disjointed parts and then, um, but they've all, they've, they've, it's been easier to make them flow together than mm-hmm. I expected. I thought it was going to be really hard, but it's actually been able to flow together. So, so that's good. Um, but yeah, and who knows? Maybe I'll have a whole book done by the end of this. I mean, <laughs> what else are you going to do? Well, exactly. Which I'm. This is like, can we please have one? Of, no, I don't want to say that. I was going to say, can we have this every year? I don't mean <laughs> I don't mean the virus, but like, can we just like for like two months out of the year, every year, just be like, everybody work from home. <laughs> yeah. Because right. this is like prime time for me. I have never got to wear so many pajamas in my life mm-hmm. and just relax like i this is gonna be so good for my mental health yeah it's gonna be horrible for david's he's gonna fucking go crazy but for me i even told him yesterday i was like listen hon (laughs) just before we really start this whole quarantine thing can you please just like promise me you'll like calm down a little bit Mm -hmm. like take a few breaths because i know you're gonna go crazy (laughs) i'm like just please for the love of god just relax He's not going to. He was not very happy. (laughs) He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was not very happy with me. He was like, you told me to be nice about your mental health. I'm like, I'm being very nice. I just (laughs) going into this. Can we please take a few breaths and relax? I'm not even dumb enough to bring that up to Samantha. Okay, no way in hell. I know exactly what she's gonna be doing. I am. We're gonna. She's gonna be crawling the walls trying to leave here mm-hmm. and do something. Crying at intervals. Mm-hmm. It's. I am. I know exactly what it's gonna be like. Yeah. And, and I'm not gonna say a damn thing. I, I brought it up because I was like, I'm just gonna get ahead, try to get ahead of it. No. No way. It'll be fine. At least um, like Jill will be home. So that'll be helpful. That's her best friend. And uh, my good friend too, but that's her best friend. Her other good friend, Maria, is off of work. She's also a school mm-hmm. teacher. So like that helps because they can both, you know, like they can Ooh. go in between each other's houses. Maybe I'll be like, go over to Naoki's house for the next two days and just sew a bunch of shit. Yeah. Ooh. Like find projects for him to do. I mean, oh, he's like, just gonna annoy the shit out of me because he's be like, "Come on, we got to do this," and he's gonna be doing <laughs> the most random thing. Like, we need to like repaint our walls this week, like right now, <laughs> and we need to order new. We went on an entire day of going to like eight different staples trying to find a fucking desk. Yeah. Which, granted, we're gonna be working from home from a month. Our desk is one je- desk that we're sharing. It's like an L shape. It's inconvenient. Yeah. I get it. Like, if we're gonna be working from home, we should get new desks. I I agree with that, but. I know it's going to be that 
for mm-hmm. every other part of our life yeah for the next month just every just all these like yeah just such urgency around these mm-hmm. household chores and for tasks. Little, for no reason like calm down yeah i i plan i will be very fine in in my office doing my writing mm-hmm. and samantha will have like resanded our stairs yep. she'll redo our lawn mm-hmm. She'll build some random table that we don't need, but she built it, so that's fine. Like I, I know, you know, you know, the, it, it is a good time to get the garden started, though. Yes. So, you know, she'll be happy out there, and the, and it's nice because of global warming. So, yeah. really, <laughs> everything's on fire, but it's fine, right? <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, but today we do. We're actually going to make this a mini sode. We're going to do it. Yeah. So today it's a mini sode. We're going to cover. Um, our first uh, Chinese um, queer person, because we covered George Takei, George Takei, who is Japanese. Yep. Um, and so we're go- and we're actually going over to China to do it. We're going all the way there. We bought our plane tickets. They were real cheap. Exactly. We got it. for forty seven dollars. <laughs> we could fly into China, <laughs> and we just yeah. Um, so. We're headed over to China to cover one of the most inspiring transgender activists of our time, an individual who is defying gender binaries, a country that has done very little in the way of LGB rights and even less for trans and gender nonconforming folks. Despite this, activist and business owner Chao Xiaomi is not one to be deterred. Though she identifies as gender fluid, she uses feminine pronouns and has a feminine expression. And though she has lived openly for the last 15 years, it is only recently that her work has drawn any attention. To understand Chao predicament we must understand the climate between china and its lgbtq citizens much like the rest of the world china has a long history of homosexuality and gender gender fluidity the earliest same-sex relationships in the country were documented as far back as the shang dynasty which ran between the 16th and 11th centuries bce meaning long before white christians were ever around to ordain it a sin and spread lies of perversion For 3,000 years, documents and records show countless stories of same-sex love and affection. By the... I think Lu Lu Song. I'm going to do a disclaimer right here. (laughs) I am a dumb, white, privileged American who cannot... I can barely speak English. I am going to do my best to pronounce every name and location properly. I am going to really try. I can't make any promises. I can barely pronounce white names. So by the Lu Song dynasty of the first century AD, it was reported that homosexuality was as frequent as heterosexuality. And when the 12th century rolled around and white Europeans began to turn on their own homosexuals and gender nonconforming folks, the Ming dynasty embraced and showed appreciation of queer love. You could probably do like a year worth of at least Asian like queer expression stories mm-hmm. like from their... From the um, like the religious stories to just general folklore to the real stories of emperors and rulers and 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 people that you know mm-hmm. and famous individuals. Homosexuality is normal, and it was always perceived as normal yeah. until religion decided that it wasn't. Exactly, it's been specifically really until um, Christianity right, yeah. and white colonization. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when you saw it wasn't. It was like, like I said, it was always there. And then this white colonization happened and all of a sudden now it was a sin. And it, it was, was the, I, I was going to say it was the first basis of fear to use control people and othering people, but that's not true. It's Other not religions true, definitely did that, but yeah. it was their version of othering a group of people to show fear and build fear around a people and get a group of non others together. Yeah. 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 
So, however, Western influence would soon catch up, and under the, the Qing dynasty of the 16 and 1700s, social constructs of marriage and gender became more prominent. In 1740, the first anti-homosexuality law was passed forbidding the act of sodomy. The punishment required a month in prison and 100 blows from a bamboo rod. They might have liked that. Yeah, right? Some people don't mind it. Mm-hmm. And it was just actually, that was actually the lightest sentence that you could get for anything. So, yes, they were punishing homosexuality, but it still wasn't seen as this egregious crime right. as it was in some parts. Um, with the rise of the People's Republic of China and the controversial Mao Zedong, LGBTQ became a dirty stigma that brought shame to families and communities. In 1997, homosexuality was decriminalized in China, and in 2001, it was removed as a mental health disorder, compared to America, which had removed homosexuality as a mental disorder nearly 30 years prior. So just showing the contrast, you know, mm-hmm. um, of where like China took... Once they decided that homosexuality was wrong, they're like, no, it's really wrong. We're not, you know, and it took them longer to get on board. However, to this day, the queer stigma still remains across the majority of China. A 2016 United Nations survey revealed the staggering cultural weight placed upon LGBTQ Chinese individuals. We don't have the, the statistics on how many LGBTQ people there are in the country. Though it has been speculated that there are around 4 million trans and gender non-conforming people. And if statistics run, as they usually do with trans non-binary people making up the smallest percentages, then we can safely guess at least another 10 million people are gay, lesbian, or bisexual. And that's using incredibly conservative estimates. What the 2016 survey revealed was the incredible pressure put on LGBTQ Chinese to remain closeted. Only 5.5% of respondents said they were fully open. 14% said they were open to their close friends and family, and 74.9% said they were not out of the closet at all. Yeah, that's incredible. You have to think about 30 years of... So from where we're at today, and people are still scared to come out of the closet, Mm -hmm. China is 30 years behind that. Because in 2001, in 2000, it was still just classified as a mental health disorder so people were literally being raised and taught that if you're gay it's because of mental health like that's not normal yeah and like 30 so in 2050 they'll be where we're at today probably unless some other great cultural shift happens right yeah which could happen but yeah you're right that's exactly the way to look at it because i mean it's like you asked how many people were fully out of the closet in america in 1971 right oh no they, they can't tell anybody that yeah, so this, you're in this the same predicament. I mean, 20 years ago, you could be in prison. Imagine right after Stonewall. Like, that's exactly, where they're at today. That's exactly where they're at, where they like, you'd be like, why aren't you all out of the closet? Right. Furthermore, more than 84% of gay and lesbian people said they were in an opposite-sex marriage due to the large cultural pressure to marry. 13% said that they were in beard marriages, meaning both parties were gay and married to, for convenience. 2.6% of the respondents had been able to get married to their partners in an overseas wedding, as China does not allow same-sex unions. The most recent poll among the Chinese population as a whole in 2013 showed that 57% believed homosexuality should not be accepted by society. However, it should be noted that statistic has dropped significantly since 2007 when 69% of the Chinese opposed homosexual expression. So, I mean, yes, a lot of people are still behind, but I mean, that's from 50, from 69 to 57%, that shows a lot of progress. Right, and I'm hoping that um, because... In the 70s, they didn't have internet, and it took us so much longer to catch up. I'm hoping that because of the internet and the knowledge that we have today, that China is able to come around a lot quicker than the mm-hmm. United States has, even though we're not fully where we need to be. I'm just hoping that they're able to catch up to where we're at 
quicker than taking 30 years. Yes, but remember also China has a lot of restrictions. They do have a lot of restrictions. That's very true. So that's definitely going to hurt them. But I'm hoping that something happens. I'm I'm just very hopeful that because of what we have that it can, I just want their lives to get better faster rather than later. Well, I mean, if it lifts, I mean, in, um, you know, there's always a chance that those those restrictions can lift. And mm-hmm. there is a lot of a good influence from, you know, especially the Japan, Vietnam, Thailand, um, Thailand, Thailand. Um, like those areas are a lot more accepting, mm-hmm. especially um, Vietnam and Thailand are very much more accepting and progressive in those areas. And so and those influences, because they're right there, um, you know, can weigh heavy on China right. as well. So that can be helpful. Um, the cultural oppression and extreme limitations of rights could attribute to the increase in Asian immigration in the United States. Today, Asian and Pacific Islander people are the fastest growing population in the U.S., and 15% of undocumented LGBTQ folks are Asian or Pacific Islander. Though this does not give us Chinese-specific to statistics, it does show how Asian cultural hostility to queer progress affects Asian LGBTQ plus all around the world. So, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, 15% of undocumented people or um, undocumented LGBTQ people are Asian and Pacific Islander. I think that shows something, you it know. Does. So, that's a pretty significant for a population that's already s- small, mm-hmm. you know, in America. Right. And yet, many brave Asian queer folks face down the hate and misconceptions of their own communities, such as China's Chao Xiaomi, who daily endures taunts, rejection, and open abuse. It's a life she has lived since she was a young child. At an early age, Chow realized she didn't fit in with the other boys. But living in her true gender expression was not an option. Her parents signed her up for football and basketball, and she went along with the macho facade facade, because she had no other choice. In China, parents and family elders hold a much tighter authority than they do in the Western world. One American businessman who has spent the majority of his career in China noted that one child policy of the 1970s noted that the one-child policy of the 1970s may play a role. Because China attempts to limit families to one offspring per couple, one child is raised by two parents and four grandparents. The pressure on the child to fulfill their prescribed role is enormous. Yeah, so I mean, you gotta you gotta factor that in. Like, everything about the family heritage, which is already so important in China, that lays on your shoulders. You right, know? and it's, another... Th- right, it's solely on you. And also yeah. another thing, I... um read i don't remember where i read this from this could be wrong but i it said that like because the one child policy everybody wanted a boy so there's like Mm. no women there's like no i mean there are women but there's like so many more men than women in that age bracket so like i'm sure that like is also affects things it definitely factors in the fact that child was uh um, assigned male at birth mm-hmm. it definitely adds to the pressure of her right. like there's this extra shame of not only have you disappointed your family but how could you take this you're supposed to carry on the lineage and how mm-hmm. could you take that away from them you know um so yes absolutely like the boy there's more pressure on for men and and to you know conform to those roles mm-hmm so, and it was due to this pressure that Chow was forced to study IT when she was sent off to university. Though she had no desire or interest in the subject, she earned her degree and took a job at an electronics comp- component company. But she was unhappy and unwilling to live her life in the closet. So three years after landing her job, Chow quit and moved to Beijing when she was 25 years old. It was the first time in her life she felt free enough to be herself. She began to wear feminine clothing in public and use her true gender expression. Chow says... 
Some days I'm about 60% female and some days 60% male. One wonders if she may feel more free to use less binary expressions were she in a more free environment. However, Chow is happy today to live openly as a woman who identifies as gender fluid should anyone ask. But few do ask. Most avoid Chow or call her a Chinese slur meaning evil spirit. She often feels alone and misunderstood. I tried therapy for a while, but the therapist could not understand me, she says. It was a complete waste of money. And that's understandable because um, I'm going to therapy now and I specifically looked for an LGBT therapist because there's instantly that, if it was a, if my therapist was a straight person, there's instantly that barrier of, one, do you accept me? Two, do you understand me? Three, you're not going to understand what I'm going through. Yeah. Like, so I'm sure in an area like China where it's already so stigmatized, you're probably going to have a hard time finding the help that you actually need. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely think it's so important for um, LGBTQ people. I mean, I'm not saying you can't find help from a non-LGBTQ therapist, but you're right. I mean, for me, at least it was life-changing mm-hmm. the first time I went to a therapist who was LGBTQ. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's just, that's the only therapist that I use today. For our counselor, for my one-on-one therapist, I mean... Because it's just, it's so complex and no amount of reading seems to be able to prepare a person to really understand what it's like. Because they haven't faced anything that we've faced. They just don't know. It's just a whole different, you know, environment. I agree. So Daily Chow hears comments from friends, family, and people in the streets. Aren't you ashamed of yourself, many ask? Good friends have encouraged Chow to go back to so-called living as a man. Some simply ask, why are you not happy that you were born a man? But Chow remains firm in her identity. Even in 2015, when she was harassed by a cleaning lady as she tried to use the woman's restroom in a local mall, the other woman called Chow a pervert and told her to get out. Chow went to the men's room instead, but when she exited, she was greeted by two security guards. The men dragged Chow to an office and interrogated her about her perversion. She remained calm and asserted that she had done nothing wrong. Finally, the two guards escorted her to a side door and threw her out of the building, warning her to never return. Yet Chow is resilient. She defied the standards of her culture and the desires of her family and instead started a vintage dress shop in downtown Beijing, which she named Equal. The beautiful attire allows Chow to encourage other LGBTQ people to express themselves. She hires queer staff and donates a portion of her proceeds to Beijing's LGBT center. Chow also has the opportunity to, to design many of her own pieces. You need to pour a lot of emotion into each vintage dress you design, she says. And for many transgender and non-binary Chinese, their clothing expression is the only way they can live in their gender identity. Access to surgeries and hormones are limited. Individuals must be 20 years of age before they can start hormones and must jump through extensive hoops to undergo any sex-affirming surgery. And like many states in the U.S., individuals who have not undergone sex-affirming surgery cannot have their name cannot change their name on their legal documents. So for most, expression and style are all that they have to present openly to the outside world. Um, so there was a lot, <clears throat> like there was a, they interviewed a, uh, a surgeon who talked about how, first of all, the, he said, you know, the majority of people don't undergo surgery or hormone treatment because of their family's rejection. He's like, and then when they do, like there's just so much to have sex affirming surgery is such a, a huge task to undertake, especially if you're MTF, meaning you were assigned male at birth and 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 um, transitioning to female, um, and to have to undergo that if you ha- to get the money and everything that you need and undergo su- such a radical surgery, 
at just to get your name changed from a right. lot of people. Some people want that. They need that to feel good. But, you know, some people like Xiao has been open about the fact that she doesn't need that. But it also prevents her from having the legal documents. Right. That some she people needs. don't want that. Some yeah. people, you know, that's not everybody wants to have the full change exactly exactly you know it's it's and like i said there's gender identity there's gender expression and, and it's about what you feel comfortable in your body mm-hmm. so it's okay obviously if a person doesn't have surgery but it's it's very frustrating if you would like to have a license or you know a birth certificate right. that has your proper name and your proper gender and you can't get that without having to go undergo a surgery that is almost impossible to get anyways yep her family <laughs> relations have of course have of course, have deeply struggled. It is only when she visits her parents that she changes into jeans and a hoodie. Chow does not see them often, and when she does, they usually try to set her up on a date with a woman. We don't know Chow's orientation, but we know this isn't her family being supportive. They are deeply ashamed that their child has not settled into a male role and been married. They just stay silent when people ask questions about my personal life. I'm not sure if they live if they can deal with the pressure brought on by society, she says. Her hopes of finding a a reconciliation and acceptance are fading. Yet 15 years after coming out and living openly, Chow is still trying. She plans to make one last attempt to appeal to her parents when they visit her in Beijing. But if they are not receptive, she is prepared to handle the rejection. In the end, she will choose her LGBTQ plus family. She told the South China Morning Post, should it... Should it not work out, I will of course be very disappointed, she says. But I have realized that making the community happy is ultimately more important than making my family happy. Yeah, and that goes a lot to like choosing your, you know, your chose going to your chosen family. Your chosen, your cho- if you need a chosen family, they will more than likely almost always be more supportive than your actual family. Yeah, and then, and a lot of, most people, that's just what they're forced on. I mean, there's always this like. They're forced to uh, to go with their chosen family, which is nothing wrong with that. But I think there's a, a lot of this. It's always projected that like queer people reject their family. Right. You know, like they like you should just deal with them. They're your blood. They're always going to be your blood. Exactly. But no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't put yourself through that strain. And if your family has not accepting you, they're the ones that rejected you. You're not the one that walked away. They right. walked away from you. It's OK for you to rebuild your life and not sit around mm-hmm. waiting for them to continue hurting you. You are yourself. And if they don't accept you, that's on them. You do not owe them anything. You do not have to change who you are to get that acceptance. <laughs> You can get the acceptance from somewhere else. And if you don't have a chosen family yet, we can be your chosen family. That's right. We can. And also go out in your community. But yeah, we can always be your chosen family. You guys know that you guys can email us and reach out and message us. Um, and if you're in uh, China and you're listening to this for some reason, um, you know, I would go down to uh, to downtown Beijing, find the LGBT center, mm-hmm. find Chow's uh, store and, you know, get involved that way. Just as before, Xiao and many other advocates around her will continue to fight for visibility and acceptance. She makes it clear that nothing is more important than that goal, even moving to a cheaper apartment to conserve on rent. I want to keep doing what I'm doing and fight for society's acceptance of transgender people without only having to think about making money. And as Xiao remains willing to live openly, she inspires others. In 2017, she appeared on a local television show to defend transgender rights. Her authenticity inspired countless LGBTQ people across China. One viewer traveled 750 miles just to meet Xiao. She said of the experience, I love her elegant experience, which attracts people who aren't aware of the issues. And more importantly, I love her self-respect. And self-respect is right. In the end, when we authentically embrace our identities and expressions, we allow ourselves to regain our self-respect. 
Unfortunately, we don't have many ways that you can follow Chao as China has strict laws controlling social media. However, your recommended resources are queer comrades, gay identity, and Tongxi Tongxi activism in post socialist China, Gendering Asia by Hongwei Bao. There is also the brief documentary, Being True to Yourself, LGBT in China, available on YouTube, but it's not very in-depth. However, it's a, it's a start. And if you're traveling to Beijing and will be near the neighborhood of Gulao, then check out the very the tiny vintage shop called Equal, and maybe you'll run into Chow herself. That's right. And so <clears throat> we don't have a lot on Chow, but um, the thing is that in China, she's one of the leading activists. And that's and that's purely, I mean, she's doing a lot, which is incredible, but also because they have so few trans activists that are able to be visible. Um, so her the way she's standing up and, and, um, uh, and facing the public, that is, it's radical. I mean, it's mm-hmm. brave here in the States, but it, it is so brave there. I mean, it's just, it opens up to so much. And and um, and, there, and like I said, there's a lot of cultural implications as well. Um, so, but we, we just wanted to recognize her um, because even if people in China can't hear this, other people can be inspired by the way that, you know, she's taking courage and she's facing down, you know, such a daunting um, force that's against her. Absolutely. But yeah, and hopefully... You know, China continues to progress on its LGBTQ rights. I think the world is, <laughs> I want to think that the world is going to continue to progress, but history has showed us that every time we have an a awakening, <laughs> yeah. there's always a massive amount of oppression. So I'm really hoping that this like Trump presidency isn't the start of that and yeah. that we get him out and we continue to make progress. I think we have the internet now, which currently is unrestricted, I want to say, in most places. Yeah. Um, which can help prevent that from happening again. But time will only tell. Yeah. I mean, it's like I say, you know, I mean, you take two steps forward, one step back, but you got to keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep making it. And, um, you know, the activists in China and in Asia in general are doing a lot to, you know, continue pushing the needle as slowly as it may seem. You keep fighting. You're going to get there. We support you. And to those of you who are in um, America and you're Asian you um, and you identify as LGBTQ, I know that you're still struggling with the cultural impact here. You know, even though it's different, there's still that there's a shame and that's a lot of Chinese Americans aren't out to their families for the same reasons. Yeah. And um, a lot of white gays are very cruel to their Asian yeah. siblings for some reason because a lot of times on Grinder you'll see like no fats, no femmes, no Asians. And it's the horrible disgusting. stigma. Like mm-hmm. I just don't... I. It goes back to if you listen to our Behind the Queens, we talked about dating and I talked about dating drag queens specifically. I just don't understand the stigma of why you would prevent yourself from dating someone strictly for an appearance or a look or a hobby or anything. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't get it either. Um, it's your own, your, it's your own bias. I don't care what you say it is. You say, no, that's just my, it's just my preference. No, that's a bias preference. Mm-hmm. It's a bias. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, but we support you, our little Asian queers. Um, and if you need any more resources, feel free to reach out. We'll be happy to direct you to any Asian related resources that we have. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. And our little succulent sapphists. Resist the oppressors, our proud homocrats. And have yourself a sodomy circus filled with lesbian undercurrents. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.
Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.